The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to those expressing them and do not necessarily reflect the OSA Foundation Incorporated or any other group or individual. This podcast may contain dialogue or subject material that could be considered for mature audiences only. All aspects of how you play the game and the OSIP Foundation Incorporated are protected by copyright and other state and federal intellectual property laws. Unauthorized use without the express written consent of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated is strictly prohibited. If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. You know what I was thinking about just before we started? What's that? So, remember the um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the opening started with like a shot of the moon on a dark night, and then all of a sudden it like fades down very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the theme song starts at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's very like I, I it, it's it's very instantaneous almost. Okay. Right. Yep. Now compare that to some of the arcade games that they brought out for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm. with with graphics that were slightly better and whatnot. It starts the same way, mm-hmm. but the descent from the moon down to the manhole mm-hmm. starts off much slower and then picks up. For whatever reason, that slow descent with the same theme song Mm-hmm. had more power to it than just picture and that's it hmm. that's very autistic of you oh that's putting it very mildly i mean and i mean that in the best possible way because, yeah because otherwise someone's canceling us because because i mean it takes that sort of i mean that's pretty meta to be thinking about the opening of the show Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus the arcade game. Yeah. Are we talking about the original arcade game like of the of the mid 90s, early 90s arcade game or as opposed about, to what? Well, I, I mean there's like multiple yeah, versions well, of the game. Yeah, well, let's put it this way. If you're comparing it to like the games that were then ported from the arcade to like the NES Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not talking about the very first one, which was friggin' impossible for everybody and made right. no sense whatsoever. Right. I'm talking about. I guess it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, remember that one? Yeah, oh my god! I mean, there are YouTube videos about it that basically say, "Hey, this is cheaper than therapy." Like the two, the the two D one, right? Yeah. Not the two and a half D fighter. The way you can go up and down and left. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, exactly. Um. No, the, the 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 two and a half D one is probably the more accurate one here. Where mm-hmm. like I think it was called like TMNT two, the arcade game. Yeah, and you start out in like a burning building, and yes. you know, and then there's like bowling balls that come down through the floor or through the, the stairwells, and you're like, yeah, because oh, every man. every burning building <laughs> has gigantic <laughs> bowling balls the size of that rock in. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, I'm, you know, I don't know where you've been, but uh, apparently the not I the was, correct places. <laughs> the last time I was in a building and I was avoiding bowling balls left and right, and it wasn't even on fire. So, see, this is what's wrong with society today. I just, I, I can't keep up. No. Why? How am I not in these buildings? I don't know. You know, they're on fire. They're not on fire. They got giant bowling balls. They don't have bowling balls. I just, 
And then at the end of it, you have like a, a, a giant mutated boar with wearing a wife beater. Yeah. And a gold chain who resembles Mr. T. Yeah. Trying to kick your ass. And so, that's and that's where they got the inspiration for Carl Bretana Nanaluski and Aqua Team. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. See, see, the sad thing is, I don't know if that's true or not. Oh, I don't think it's true. <laughs> But it, I could but totally I can, see it being true. I can just see you in front of me, and I can see the synapses trying to connect. Yeah. You okay? What was his name? Bebop? Yeah, there was Bebop and Rocksteady. Rocksteady. <laughs> yes. Because, let's like face it. they were it. named after musical genres. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and this is after... They're basically stealing this from Mega Man, mm-hmm. which was a game you know, built off of rock and roll because mm-hmm. his name is rock man. Rockin'. And he has, he has a sister named roll mm-hmm. dog named rush mm-hmm. uh, bird friend named beat, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. That's interesting. I think there was a bass and a treble in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rock man. Yeah. It's called. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, when you mentioned the the arcade game, man, that brings back memories. I remember when I was in fifth grade, maybe in fourth or fifth grade and a bunch of my friends and I, we went like, we went to uh, this place called sports world. I was just thinking that is that over in Oxford Valley? No, no. This is when I was growing up in Paramus. Oh, wow. So they had a couple of these. Yeah. Okay. So sports world was for those of you don't know back in the the good old days, Mm -hmm. it was a place where you could, they had arcades lined up. Yes. Like like for miles. And they also had rides. Yep. They had bumper cars and like this, like, spaceship simulator sort of thing they had virtual reality at some point they had mini golf like it was completely it was you had awesome. a better sports world than me oh this place was it was huge yeah it was huge it was right off route 17 i lived maybe about 10 minutes from it i was there like almost every weekend because everyone had a birthday party there right right so a bunch of my friends and i uh, when we were about fourth grade fifth grade we all went like as a group it was like six or seven of us and we like just cordoned off the area around the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, arcade machine. And we just, we had like $50 worth of quarters, right? And we just, we said, we said, we're gonna beat this. Yeah. And we spent like probably the next four or five hours at that machine, take like in shifts. Wow. beating this game and when we finally beat it it was like there were like crowds all around us and they're like oh my god we've never seen this happen before like in in one playthrough it was kind of crazy but that was inspired by george costanza and frogger yeah you know i mean that and honestly the the teenage mutant ninja turtles arcade game that was hard enough as it was yeah like you know the i mean the first one on the nintendo was brutal it broke up families okay yeah yeah um but yeah that arcade game was something else and then you had turtles in time yeah that that was a good one i had that on both genesis and snes yeah and that game seemed to like go on forever yes and and it was beatable yeah but it went on forever and that i felt was like a very intriguing and entertaining game as a result of that i just remember the train level yeah in that game like it like just yeah it was pretty cool and that was the game was that the game with slash it might have been 
the uh, like the 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 evil blue turtle. That could have been. It could have been. That was a tough battle. Um, your sports world was definitely better than mine because we had one down here in this area. It was in Oxford Valley. So okay. we had to cross the river, and this was before there were tolls everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it had the arcade, as you as you said, and it went on for what seemed like miles. Mm-hmm. And and as a corollary, isn't it crazy how you go into an arcade now as an adult, and you're like, well, this is small as hell, right? You know, <laughs> but when you're a kid, you're like, I could get lost in here. Yeah, you know. So you had the arcade. Now ours had a roller skating rink. Mm-hmm. It had uh, this thing called the challenge, which mm-hmm. was like it was almost like a like like a McDonald's play pay, play place ball pit on steroids. Wow. Okay. Was so like, was this like Ninja Warriors? Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but it's all like netted off and whatnot, so you couldn't actually Ninja Warrior yourself through it. It was, okay. but it was like it, it took you. It could take you about an hour to get through it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, as a kid. As right? a kid, I mean, yeah. And, and oh, believe me, it was fun as hell. Uh, and then there was also a rock climbing wall, a wall and mm. there was a Velcro trampoline wall, too. Ooh. So you could literally put on, like, this Velcro suit and then go run, get a running start onto this trampoline and jump up onto this Velcro wall and just stick there. That's cool. Yeah. Now, this is all, you know, an insurance liability here in the 21st century, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, I think the last, if I'm trying to remember, I think Sports World closed down when I was a junior in high school. Okay. A junior or senior, like 2001, 2002. And that was, like, when we all heard about it, we rushed over there, like, for one last time. And yeah. when we went there, there was, like, no one there. It was like all, half the arcade machines were gone. Yeah. Um, and they were still like the same ones. You know, some of the games may have been upgraded a little bit, but. Oh, it's crazy how you look at the those ca- cabinets of games and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Those are, you know, those are large standing structures where if you're going to upgrade something, those cabs got to go somewhere. Right. And and there's a there's a science behind whether or not you're going to just leave it as is, or you're going to add something else, or you're going to remove right. something. You know, I remember there was a place here in in Flemington that's not there anymore. I think it's up north more now. It was called Richie Knuckles Arcade, and the mm. idea was, oh, were you there I with me I, once? No, but I no. think I've heard of it. So you would go in and you would pay like ten bucks flat, okay, and then you get access to all of these old school arcade games for the night and and that would be you know so i remember going there a couple of times and you would i would get mortal Kombat, street fighter nba jam tron the mario brothers like the super mario brothers which was the same as the nes super mario brothers but there it was harder there were actual harder parts to it right um and then you would also have you know, your traditional Donkey Kongs and things like that and whatnot. But it was it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah. And of course, you know, there was nothing but like candy and soda so that the sugar would drive you batty. Right. You know. Yeah. Ours also had a laser tag. I forgot to mention. that. OK. One. Yeah. I don't that know was, if we had a laser tag yet. At, that, at mine. That was. Yeah. I mean, this place was like a like a, an, it was like an emporium of like 
kid games. It was- I, I had a birthday party there once, and I think we did the challenge. I think it was like you get like one of the three major things like challenge, roller skating, and I don't know if it was, I don't know what the third one was. I don't know if it was the rock climb or whatever. And then you get like all this, you know, you then you get a pizza party and right. then you get X amount of credits towards like all these games and whatnot. And, right. and that was about it. You know, you're in there for like four hours. And by the time you're done, your parents hate life and are rethinking procreation. And, you know, the interesting thing is like with these, with these places that, you know, there weren't at least at, our sports world, from what I remember, there wasn't a prize counter. Like you just went in and played. Yeah. And and you just had fun. I like, think there was we... no, there was no, I mean, I think one of one may have been added later. Yeah. But like, I remember spending hours there as a kid and I didn't care about the prize. I just wanted to play. We had, so, we had a small prize counter, but you know, the games that gave you tickets ski ball stuff like mm-hmm. that were few and far between right and and the space that was allocated for the prize count it wasn't like you had the giant stuffed animals where you had to win 24 games in a row to get enough tickets for that you know right. it was you get the tickets you go over there and you get you know a pencil top eraser Sure. And, you know, and then you yeah. think about the family guy thing where they he uh, Stewie gets the cast of the next generation. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you going to split a pencil top eraser? I get it three days. He gets it three days. And and, and we alternate weekends, something like that. You know, <laughs> that's great. So speaking of uh, divorced families, welcome to how you play the game. You know, <laughs> I don't know where that came from but from what's it came but from it's here <laughs> so uh the official podcast of the Joseph foundation incorporated yours truly jack for along with you as we talk about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned this is the first episode of the month of july the year is 2022 glad you can be with us as always check us out at osipfoundation.org you can contact the show with the email address podcast at osipfoundation.org on social media, we're at facebook.com slash OSIP Foundation, Twitter and Instagram at OSIP Foundation, hashtag how you play the game. Uh, select episodes are available on YouTube. Our apparel store is on Bonfire. Our book is available on Amazon. And as always, across the way from me, the producer engineer, Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, hello. How are you? Uh, fantastic. And you just got back from a great vacation, and it looks like your arms are tired. Yes, yeah. even, though uh-huh. I dro- even though I drove. Right. Well, you were flapping the whole way trying to get some air, right? Um, yeah. So uh, Sarah and I went to Maine uh, for about five days, drove up last Tuesday, stayed in an Airbnb with a really adorable kitty. Um, I can't believe they would leave a cat in the in the house. No, no. It, so it wasn't directly in our. So, OK, let me explain. Yeah. So where we stayed was adjacent to it was all in the same building. A okay. flower slash tuxedo rental slash wine store. OK. And we stayed next door in the same building, like a multifamily unit sort of thing. OK. And the cat, uh, his name was Tux, was in because tuxedo rental bah. Ah. in the was in the uh the storefront so um it was great i mean it was a, it was a great place to stay there was a hot tub um we were in it pretty much every night um hot. and then we it was yeah we just did a lot we ate a lot of great restaurants had a lot of lobster um 
played golf, did some hiking, went to the main maritime museum, which was pretty cool. Learned how to learned how they made like old ships and new Navy ships. It was really, really great. Um, but it was exhausting. It was an exhausting trip. Um, how long of a drive was it? It was about six, six and a half hours without stopping. So probably closer to seven with stopping. And then on the way back down from Maine, we stopped at a we stopped at a sculpture park in New Windsor, New York, called the Storm King. Okay. And it's this wide expanse of all these different sculptures, and we walked around. And um, since I'm fat and tired, it was really hard for me to walk for long distances, <laughs> especially after eating so much. Okay, I will give you that because once you eat, it's like all bets are off, right? I can't. It just sticks with you. Like yeah. I, I just like we ate out almost for every meal. So well, you are on vacation. It's going to happen. Right? No, yeah. I mean, that's you know. no. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, it was a great time. Um, we got back on. Saturday, early, late afternoon, early evening, and our buddy Phil was watching Rogue. Oh, that's good. So um, they had some bonding time together. Um, And then we took Phil out to eat as a form of thanks for watching. um, uh, The cat. For watching watching Rogue and how sitting. And for those of you who don't know, Phil was on our music business podcast yeah, that a couple Phil. Of years ago. Yeah. That that Phil. That Phil. Um, so uh yeah, no, it was just it was much needed. I needed to get the hell out of the state for a while. Yeah. Um and uh it's just a different world up there. It is have you ever been to Maine? I have not been to Maine, no. It's, it's on the list of things to do. It is. I mean, it's not some place you can go just once and just see everything. Yeah. There's, you know, there's Bar Harbor, which I've been to, to which I've been. Um, Good. Port, Portland. Uh, Top Sham is where we went the last time, which is just north of Portland. Nice little town. Lots to do. Lots of great places to eat. So it's, yeah, just, I mean, if you go, you, you need to be there for at least five days to experience enough to get the main experience i, I see what you did there the main, the main experience, experience. Oh, uh-huh. now what was the weather like was it was it cold beautiful beautiful okay. in the 60s and 70s the entire time we were there wow like it wasn't too hot for golf it was perfect like the hiking it was like br- hardly broke a sweat it was just perfect perfect weather the whole week um but yeah, it was definitely worth definitely worth the 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 wait for this trip. I mean, okay, good. So it, I highly recommend it that you go if you haven't been. It's a beautiful place, um, lots to do, lots of great food, great lobster. And now I'm back, and now Depressed. I want to go again. Yeah. <laughs> so there's rain, and we're like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. So, but thank you for asking. Um, I'm just glad you had a good time. Yeah. So, and here I am wearing the lobster shirt just to remind you of your good times. Yeah. Just rub it in. Yeah. That's what I do. That's how I roll. Um, So our topic today, it's funny. There was a, 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 something that came up yesterday that, that needs to be discussed as well, but that story is still ongoing. So I feel like we need to wait 
for that for the next episode to talk about that one. Okay. That was the brawl in the Angels Mariners game. Okay. Um, so we'll talk about that on the next show mm-hmm. once we kind of let things settle down. We see what how the league responds, all that kind of stuff. Because okay. we're obviously taping this before, you know the you know the the, the due date of its release. So um, have no, you know, and and I think you and I, you know, agree on this. For issues like this, it's not like sports talk radio where you need to have a reaction and an opinion right away for entertainment purposes. You know, right. we for our purposes, we need to let things kind of marinate a little bit, settle down, and and then mm-hmm. we can look at everything from a whole and get a better judgment on what exactly is going on so it kind of benefits us to wait a little bit on that which in and of itself is sportsmanship yes absolutely with with all of these different things and Mm -hmm. it's a good thing that we did that as well because the topic for today required us to wait and Mm -hmm. and and whatnot and now we can kind of talk about it after things have kind of slowed down and that is the story of the 72 year old umpire in branchburg new jersey who was assaulted by a coach had his jaw wired shut and you know the the lunacy that stemmed as a result of it um when the story broke it was like everyone and their mother was contacting me did you hear about this did you see this and i'm like oh yeah no you're not the first person to text me you oh, know I did. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah this stuff pops up okay it doesn't require, you know, I, although I appreciate everyone who contacts me about it because that means that they're paying attention mm-hmm. and I, and that's a good thing. So I will, as much as I, as I joke with people like, oh, I've seen it, we're on the case, you know, um, I, I, it makes me appreciate the fact that people are paying attention to our, our mission and are conscious of what's, what we're trying to do. So I appreciate it every time someone tries to, you know, bring this to, to our attention and we encourage people to continue doing that. Um, so to kind of give the background, because it's, you know, obviously when you're not there, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, the, and it's been summarized X number of times and whatnot. Um, let me just read the news release um, that came from uh, the when 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 charges were were filed, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, it says here, and this is according to the Somerset County Prosecutor's Office, um, on June fourth, two thousand twenty-two, at approximately eight oh eight p.m., um, the police were dispatched to White Oak Park in Branchburg uh, for a report of an assault upon an umpire. Um. Officers were told by bystanders that the suspect had left the park prior to their arrival. Uh, The 72-year-old male umpire was bleeding from the mouth when they arrived. The victim told officers that while umpiring uh, the the baseball game, which was a USABL game, not technically a Little League game, but a USABL game, Mm -hmm. and I believe it was for a 13U game. So these are 13-year-olds at at most. Um, The umpire ejected one of the coaches for using foul language. Uh, the victim then told the officers that the coach, um, who was later identified as uh, Jerry Otero from Staten Island, he's he was 40 years old, mm-hmm. uh, punched him on the left side of the face. Um, the victim sustained a fractured jaw and concussion from being struck, and he had to have his jaw wired shut. Um, and I think what makes this worse is that according to 
the uh, the 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 witnesses, um, the parents of this Staten Island team were not remorseful. They were of the mindset of saying he deserved it. So what we have here is a situation where not only is a 72-year-old umpire assaulted uh, for being ejected and whatnot, the parents now are saying, well, he had it coming. And I guess the only thing I can say is, where do you want to start? Because this is th- th- this could be taken so many different ways. Um, what we did when we started investigating this, um, this game was in a tournament sanctioned by the USABL, which is the United States Amateur Baseball League. Uh, they are headquartered in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Their commissioner is a Mr. Brian Delahant, who has been interviewed uh, by a couple of different news sources as a result of this. I reached out to Brian uh, and did not receive a response. Uh, I asked him if he would like to come on the podcast to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I tried to explain in my request that this is not um, a, you know, a, a shaming interview or anything like that, where he has to face the music. This is a positive uh, opportunity to reinforce uh, that this behavior should not be tolerated and we need to do a better job of getting rid of it, et cetera. And we heard, we heard nothing back. So uh, USABL, um, if you hear this, naughty, naughty. I understand that you may have a, um, you may have a policy about talking to media and maybe it was a calculated decision, uh, but there are a lot of organizations out there for whatever reason, and, and the state of New Jersey, the NJSIAA is guilty of this as well, okay? Uh, the New Jersey State Interscholastic Athletic Association, for which I operate as, as a high school certified baseball umpire, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll call them out right now as well, even though you know this doesn't pertain to them per se, but I have reached out to them a number of times and said, listen, we, we support you, we, we agree with you, we want to help you and we are met, you know, we fall on deaf ears and the USABL does the same thing. I have worked a few USABL games in the past. Uh, I have not worked a USABL game in, in quite some time, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, I have, I have a number of issues with USABL, which are kind of outside the scope of, of this discussion, but uh, I just I just want to state for the record, after stating the facts of what happened, uh, that we have tried to do our part as a foundation to to rectify this, assist where we can in a way that aligns with our mission statement. And to this point, uh, as we are recording this, uh, we have been uh, pocket vetoed, shall we say. Uh, in that there has been no response whatsoever. The most we've had is when people send us the stories. And we are very appreciative of when people do that. But unfortunately, the people that we have requested um, with, with which to speak have, have not returned our phone calls. And, mm-hmm. and I think what bothers me about that is to say, we, we're not necessarily the media in a traditional sense. 
are we are we producing a show that can be categorized as as media? Yes, yes, we are. Uh, our podcast is an op-ed that falls under our heading, but I think it's a very specific type of of of, of media outlet. And and if they have a policy about this, I just I just feel like. It's not that I feel unappreciated. It's just a, it's just a disappointment. It's disappointing that, you know, they'll give an interview to the local newspaper and then they shut the doors, you know. Um, now, since then, what has happened is this this man, um, Jerry Otero, turned himself in to the Branchburg police and he was arrested. Let me bring up the article here. Um, let's see here. He's behind. This is according to, uh, KIRO7.com. Um, he was arrested, uh, booked on charges of fourth degree assault at a youth sports event and third degree aggravated assault. Um, let's see here. Uh, he, uh, uh, as of now, as, of, as according to this article, he remains in Somerset County jail as he awaits a detention hearing. Uh, and we kind of wait and see. Hmm. Um, so, you know, now I will add this as well. The team from Staten Island that was part of this tournament posted the following it looks like on Facebook, they come from a company called the New York Prospects Baseball Incorporated. Um, and a man by the name of uh, Frank Cambria of NY Prospects Baseball Incorporated, who maybe is the president, I don't know, doesn't matter. But um, he posts the following on social media, quote, to our baseball community, I am writing this to our baseball community to express an issue that has me deeply concerned and has become a growing concern nationwide. An adult member of our organization last weekend inexplicably punched an umpire at a travel game. The umpire suffered a broken jaw, which was wired shut and will need additional dental work. When I received the news, it turned my stomach and had me wondering why a person would do such a thing. There is never, never, ever an excuse to hit an umpire nor another human being when at a sports venue, especially involving children. When has winning a plastic trophy become more important than the welfare of another human being? What are we teaching our kids today? It's supposed to be about teaching teamwork, sportsmanship, and respect. What I found also disturbing was some of the families, instead of coming to the aid of the umpire, were complaining about his calls. People need to get a grip and have an ounce of compassion for a fellow human being. I am appalled by what happened and have taken immediate action against this person. My prayers for a speedy recovery go out to this umpire and all officials that have been abused by parents that just don't get it. It's a kid's game that is supposed to build great memories, not give them nightmares. I have uh, resent a zero tolerance policy out to our organization and expect them to be on their best behavior and respect officials, host sites, and people in general. When something is making you think violent thoughts, Take a time out, step back away from the situation, take a breath, and remember it is just a game and not a life and death situation. There is no room for violence in any sport. 
I am truly sorry for what happened and pray this never happens again in my lifetime. Which I, I find that to be pretty sincere. Yeah. You know, um, I don't, you know, I don't really think that there's a better way to have said it. I think Frank said it pretty, pretty well. Uh, this team, this coach have obviously been banned from the USABL. And it sounds like Frank, if we, if I read between the lines here has basically banned Jerry Otero from, you know, ever participating again. Um, so it sounds like things are moving in the right direction, mm-hmm. but it's a shame that it took such a horrible event to wake up to this. Right. You know, which seems to be the, the pattern in general in life, you know, with all the tragedies that occur on a regular basis, that it, it requires a tragedy to, to fix something, but it is what it is. Right. So, so here we are. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I, I'm not sure what else to say at this venture at this point. Um, do you have any initial thoughts, Sean? So I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the article on patch.com. Okay. I'm also seeing that the, uh, USABL uh, first reported the altercation on June 7th and said Otero had been drinking between innings. Oh, that's not good. So, okay, that's in and of itself should be grounds for dismissal. To say the least. I mean, that in itself is, yeah, to say the least. Like, he should probably be arrested for public drunkenness around kids like i mean if he's i'm not saying that it's an ex, that's an excuse for why he he shouldn't even been drinking yeah in the first place for the record i don't mean to interrupt i just pulled up the usabl site mm-hmm. you know what the first thing is that comes up on their rotating um picture thing here is that where you can click on it mm-hmm. become an umpire and i want to be like you do know that uh what just happened probably people don't want to be umpires right now no and as an umpire you know it's scary yeah you know how many times i've had to tell these stories and i'm just like and you know i have to say to people like i why am i doing this right you know right um So I I know that the parents aren't really showing any remorse, but it sounds like Otero at least had the wherewithal to turn himself in. I mean, I get, if there's any silver lining to this, yeah. I mean, cuz you got to find there has to be some hope here. And and I feel like at least once he was more lucid I would imagine he realized what he did and of course realized he was wrong. Otherwise he wouldn't have turned himself in. Um, so if there's a silver lining to this, you know, as slim as it may be, at least there's some glimmer of hope of remorse from him. Um, 
if that was to be any indication yeah now, i don't know i don't know if his lawyer told him to turn himself in i don't know if like he spoke to someone and he didn't want to at first and someone convinced him to but just the fact that he did that i don't know i i, I just feel like we have to sort of wait and see what more comes out of this and unfortunately with stories like this news stories like this the the longer it goes and the more details are uncovered the less it's covered yeah you know yeah. like in two weeks no one's going to know what this is yeah um and it's unfortunate like you know he could have it could have come out that he said you know that he was didn't know what he was doing he was very sorry and but we would never hear it you know it, it, it's I don't know. It just seems that the 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 inner the 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 altercation itself is bad enough. But when you read about him drinking, and when you read about the parents cheering, the assault, cheering the assault. Yeah, like this is a kids' game. And real quick, uh, what was the site that you had that said he was drinking? patch.com okay it was yeah it's like the third or fourth paragraph well no it's like one two three it said yeah so said, a terror came to branchburg police headquarters on tuesday june 21st to turn himself in and okay. the altercation happened on this fourth uh, yeah so, okay so that took a little long yeah <laughs> all right this wasn't the same day um the U.S. ABL reported the altercation on June 7th, which is three days after something like that happened, which is, I mean, maybe from within they had to conduct an investigation, figure or, out how to go about it. Yeah. You know, you let's look at both sides of that for a second. Um, you know, you have to, first of all, even though it was reported on the seventh, so to speak, they said that police showed up after it happened, saw the man bleeding. So the police were there. Okay. Right. So it's not like it took the police three days to respond to this. Right. It looks like the police were there. So let's, let's take a second and say, okay, look, whatever happened at whatever timeline, you know, if we're going to if we as an organization are, are need to take time to gather facts and, and do our job, et cetera, perhaps we need to allow the same thing to occur for them. Is that fair? Yeah. OK. I understand. But I understand your point that a lot of time passes here. But, you know, that's also the legal system. You know, you look at you look at how these things occur. You know, there's a there's a time statute and they have to make sure that they have everything. They have their ducks in a row before they make serious charges and accusations, et cetera. So I understand it's, right. it seems it doesn't seem right, but according to our system, it is, you know, if we have two years of discovery for civil cases, you know, we, mm -hmm. we, we, we have to respect that as unfair as it seems. But, uh, but the flip side of that, when you look at the, well, not the flip side, but when you look at the media and how they continue to report it, it's like the more of the story develops, the less they want to report on yeah. it or something like this, which in and of itself is poor sportsmanship because right. wouldn't, how else, unless you were directly involved with the incident in some way, shape or form, you may never know 
unless the media reports it. That what is correct. Happens months later. Yeah. Like, you know, so that that's a shame because there could have been, I mean, obviously on the outside, there's no excuse right. to punch an official, um, much less speak negatively and use bad language at a kid's game and drink between innings. So I mean, obviously the more, the more of those negative things that are sort of surrounding themselves around Otero, the more it looks like he's in the wrong. Yeah. Um, and this is just like, what, not even a month, three weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, what is going to be uncovered a month from now? That's true. I get and it. We may, and we may not know. That's the sad thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like it's just something that we should try to keep investigating as much as we can. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I, a, a friend of mine sent me those things that I read via text just a couple of days ago. So, I mean, things are still coming out. Right. You know, um, I we don't know. We don't, I mean, we don't know his sentence. We don't. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, geez, it's a criminal charge. There's going to be there's going to have to be jail. You know, time, right? I mean, there's going to be a trial. There's going to be like all mm -hmm. this. This is going to take time. Right. You know, so so we we are reacting to the bits and pieces of information that are given to us. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Right. And we have to understand that as opinions are formed they need to remain fluid because of all of these circumstances. It's just as black and white as it seems. And believe me, theoretically, it's black and white. You don't do this. Right. Okay. When the legal system is involved, we do have to take a step back and look at it through that lens. Um, I brought up the USABL Facebook site. Um, on June 21st, they, uh, they posted about uh, the arrest. And this is what they said from USABL, quote, we're happy to see justice served, but the reality is that this never should have happened to begin with. Most of the people on the field are good people. With that said, even one of these situations is too many, and we as a baseball community need to make sure this does not happen again. Bad calls or having one umpire on your game are inevitable. We need to show support and thank the umpires that are still willing to work or there won't be any baseball left to watch. Right. End quote. Now, granted, the let's take the gr bad grammar out of that for a second. Nah. No, but, <laughs> um, I know it's hard to listen to that. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, now, let's let's do this. Uh, we've done this before. Let's kind of go through some of the comments on Facebook to this. OK. Um, Renee Buddha says. He deserves everything he gets. What an embarrassment to his team and program. Um, Greg Peterson responded to that by saying uh, he does deserve everything, but I wouldn't say he's an embarrassment for the team and program because they built that behavior around them. Look at the way the parents acted after the facts. It's sickening, um, which is an interesting take. Um you know, a lot, lot of, lot of people are commenting, like you know, you know, agreeing and whatnot. And and let's state this for the record too, while I'm thinking about it. You know, when we hear stuff like this, and we we're almost trained to want to give an opinion based mm -hmm. on social media and whatnot. And 
we become very aggressive in this eye for an eye type of world, you know, where, you know, I listen, I don't disagree that maybe he deserves everything he can get, but I also have compassion in that. Yeah. What he did was wrong and a, and a punishment is certainly coming and we're going to work our damnedest to make sure that this stuff doesn't happen again. Right. You know, put yourself in his shoes though. Would you, would you sit there and say, I deserve everything I get, et cetera. I think I, you know, as much as theoretically, we'd like to say, yes, we should be, you know, with remorse, guilt, shame, et cetera. I, that's a hard thing to do as a human being, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and that's, I don't know if I would say that that's sportsmanship in itself, but that's that's something to consider. Right. It's more about the idea of saying you can you can say this is a disappointment. This is a shame. This is terrible, blah, 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 blah. I just as much as he may deserve everything that he gets. I always you know, we're pointing the finger when we do that. And we we very rarely have the ability sometimes to say what happens when that po- finger is pointed at us when we screw up. Right. You know, Um Continuing down the the list here, um, you know, a lot of people saying uh, the organization shouldn't be banned. Um, sickens me to death. Make an example out of him. Um, feel so bad for the umpire. Um, make an example of him you wonder why there's a nationwide shortage of sports officials this is very true yep um uh it's a felony you know um now one person one person does say this and um, again take this how you want to take it you know, one person, Will Hart, says it's a felony in New Jersey to assault coaches or umpires. Hopefully he is prosecuted to the fullest extent. Uh, Tom Sambucci replies, I can tell you, sadly, the fact is he won't be, especially with the thousands of career criminals we released the past couple of years in the jails that keep closing. So let's let's take a look at that real quick mm-hmm. as a state. What's going on with. You know, our priorities in terms of incarcerating criminals and rehabilitating them, et cetera. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into this because I think that kind of takes us down to a different ra- a different rabbit hole that may go farther, but, right. um, you know, it makes you think like, okay, where are the priorities in our society where, you know, we're basically saying, you know what, an assault on an official, maybe we'll, we'll, cut a deal so we don't have to go to, to, to trial here and he'll avoid jail time or prison time, et cetera. And yet we're going to, because, because we can't, we don't have the facilities to incarcerate him or is this worth the, the incarceration, et cetera. I mean, those are, those are some legitimate questions that have to be answered right. in a very grand, on a very grand scale. Yeah. You know, how many, during, during the pandemic, we were releasing prisoners left and right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, you know, I, who have I'm, done things worse than this, than this. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, context is really important. Yeah. You know, you really got to look at, you really got to look at 
you got to look at these situations from all angles and the overarching you know, the, you know the, the question becomes well what I mean, what was it fourth degree assault there is a fourth degree charge what, and a third degree charge that, i didn't even know what fourth degree is like what like i knew i i've heard of first second and third degree it says what? here uh, fourth degree assault at a youth sports event. So perhaps fourth degree deals specifically with the youth sports event, okay. possibly. And then third degree aggravated assault. Okay. Um, continuing down, one person, Jeff Powell, who I believe is an umpire because uh, he says, you know, and people wonder why there is a nationwide umpire shortage. It was my fault that a team lost 15 to one this past weekend, you know, mm-hmm. and that's and that's a great point. Because I, you know, I see this all the time as an official. Coaches and parents and everyone believe that it's my fault that their team loses. Right. You know, and we've had this discussion before, especially in baseball. I, I, I hate to break it to you, but the chances of it being my fault as the official are pretty slim. Mm-hmm. If I miss one pitch, you know, it's like your team had ample other opportunities right. to make up for that. The, the fallacy of the predetermined outcome. Thank you, Michael K is mm-hmm. not, is not in play here. Right. You know, um, I need to put D, I need to put WD 40 on my chair. <laughs> Sorry. Now, now here's, Okay, here's the first take that got people upset. This came from a guy named Louis Rowan. Okay. Um, responding to uh, a man named Dan Clock, who said, Dan said, worst part is the initial article I read uh, said a bunch of people in the stands apparently could be heard saying that the umpire deserved it. Okay, fair. Louis Rowan responds, uh, maybe he did just because someone is an umpire or coach or police officer or priest doesn't mean they're, they are a super great person. And of course there's tons of bad grammar here. Okay. What, 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 is, what is he even talking about? Uh, Dan, Dan responds, yikes, awful take drinking at a little league game and sucker punching a 72 year old umpire is never okay. Right. You know, uh, Manuel Rodriguez responds to Louis by saying, so it's okay for a 40 year old cowardly, and then there's a, a derogatory term used to clock a 72 year old guy doing his best on the field to help uh, the sport and these kids go stick your head in the toilet and keep flushing. I believe that's called a swirly. Mm. If that's I clean what that's clean water though. You don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, um, if anything, that makes it better. I <laughs> Uh, Brian Piemont says uh, should have d- child endangerment charges as well. Yep. That, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, when you're drinking, you, know? you, you don't have your faculties. Yeah. And anything could happen and anything did. I mean, can you imagine if, if the coach turned or if a kid made a bad play and the coach turned around and hit the kid? Yeah. I, I mean, can you imagine which he is would be, if that he would go straight to jail. Yeah. There wouldn't even be any there wouldn't even be any argument there. But the fact of the matter is that like 
the whole the drinking thing is what gets me the most almost because that could have been what led him to build up the courage and i say courage in the loosest definition possible to punch this guy out yeah had he not been drinking he may not have done that that's true you know and again a fallacy of the predetermined outcome but you know you never know but the point is that you shouldn't be drinking if you're at a, at a little league game. Like, it just, you, you are putting underage kid, you're putting underage people in danger. So, yeah. Now here's, okay, here's a, here's more of a, of a, uh, another part of this. Okay. So they're at, so in this, thread they're asking if he still works at the prospects baseball incorporated in new york etc um people start yeah the people start asking these questions etc um uh it says here you know people are reporting that he was not an employee he was just a volunteer coach um you know uh, it says here you know people think saying he was just suspended etc um a guy named Steve Tatz says every team is different. Some have a paid coach and dads that help uh, said coach and volunteer their time. Some just have dads. He was never listed as the manager. So he was a volunteer helping out. This was an unfortunate incident, lapse in judgment, and he made a mistake. Quite possibly the only mistake he has made and has never been in trouble before. The law will do what it needs to. People do a lot worse than this and get a slap on the wrist at best. I'm sure he regrets it and will be very apologetic and will look to make amends. Okay, I mean, nothing in that, you know, is wrong, taking a different approach. And for all we know, maybe it's true, you know. Um, Now, Rene Buda from before says, I've seen the same aggressive coaches, teams, parents over and over, year after year. It is a joke sometimes when our kids play a team that we know is that way. It doesn't just happen, uh, not just a single mistake. So we've got two points of view here where one person you know, is saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not condoning it, just saying that, you know, we need to have forgiveness, et cetera. Uh, and another person saying, uh, this happens all the time. We need to stop it, et cetera. There's, there's no, you know, black and white certainty here, but we're, we're now getting into a realm where psychology plays a role because people are formulating and expressing opinions based upon the previous experiences. You know, one person is saying, you know, perhaps maybe from a, per, a previous experience that, we need, you know, as you know, as bad as this is, we need to make sure that, that we just let the process work itself out and he gets what he deserves, et cetera. And another person is saying, you know, I, perhaps they've had this happen to them before many times and they need to start throwing the book at him. You know, so, again, I understand where psychology starts to come into play here, you know, mm-hmm. and then Steve responds to Renee by saying, didn't realize you were the expert on what does and doesn't happen and what mistakes may or may not get made. My bad. Renee responds by saying, never claimed to be an expert, but after my son has played on a USABL team over the past nine years, you get a great education on exactly what I stated. I'm sure if you ask anyone who has had their kid playing for years, they would tell you it's the same ones every season. So that, so what we're essentially saying here is that perhaps both can be right. It's not mutually exclusive. Right. Okay. Maybe people make mistakes and they're very sorry, but a pattern is a pattern too. So it sounds like what Renee is saying is that um, it may maybe this one guy maybe it was a one-off, but 
if this is happening over and over again, the culture needs to change. Yep. You know? Um, uh, Manuel Rodriguez from before says uh, to this guy, Steve, oh, cry me a river. That uh, POS coach is the kind of nut who would kill his parents, then plead for mercy in court because he is now an orphan. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we can get here. You know, one person says, you know, he'll be in county jail for a few hours, maybe a few days, and that's it. He won't see actual prison. Uh, one person says, post a child for everything wrong with travel baseball. Hope this clown gets the maximum. Um, yeah, it sounds like some of the comments themselves are very extremist. Yeah. Like in the other direction. One, one guy, Timmy Gallagher, says this. I hope the umpire sues him and the organization and they lose everything. There is speculation he was drinking in between his games. He is a terrible role model for his own son who plays on that team. These coaches need to be certified as they do in Little League in some town pro and some towns programs and in many high schools. He ran away after hitting the umpire. He showed what a coward he was. Hmm. Um. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people just saying, you know, lock him up, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, one guy says, Sam Carlson says, why is it always the fat guys who didn't make the high school JV team that go after the innocent? Uh, more comments here. Uh, yeah, talking about the umpire shortage. Uh, basically saying it's bad. Okay, okay. Yep, 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 yep. We all get it. Everyone gets it. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Piece of garbage. What a loser. Ban him for life. Um, feel sorry for the kids on the team, you know, kind of goes on here. Right. Um, yeah, it's just, we could, I, we could go on here, but I feel like we're kind of spinning our wheels now. Yeah. You know, it's just, the, 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 the gist of it is that most people seem to be on the right side of this. Yeah. You know, this argument that for you shouldn't in, in any shape, way, shape or form, you should not berate or hit or physically assault an official because you disagree with them. Yeah. And and it it just. Uh, I mean, these umpires are getting paid little as it is. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, and, listen, and it's not this is not they're not out there to screw you. They're not out there to they're out there because you know why? Because they enjoy it. Yeah, They're, they enjoy officiating a game. And without them, there are no games. It's, it's very true. Simple, it's as simple as that. So, like, you want to keep hitting them? You're sending messages to other people who might be on the fence about being an umpire who might not do it. Yes. Because they read stories like this. And now you're traumatizing an entire generation of young adults 
who might want to do this and now don't. Yes. You so, are you're 100% there, right. So so that's see that's the problem with this, right? It's not just that incident. You know, and and I don't blame them. I don't blame them for thinking like I'm not going out there. Yeah. I don't want to get slugged by a coach or a parent or a or even if the kid is old enough, even a player if they disagree with me. Yeah. I'm not getting in the middle of that. It makes you, it makes, you know, I, would, I something that just came into my mind because as an umpire and I've told recent stories that there have been, there have been games within the last month or so that I've officiated three of them that come to my mind where you go in as an umpire with this, you know, with, with, a, with, a, with a preconceived idea that you have to be on the defensive. Right. And when you're on the defensive like that, you are ready to, to start ejecting people. Okay. There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no, you know, okay, let's talk this out. It's if you come out here and question anything that I do, I'm going to eject you because now we, we are living in a time when we have to, you know, eject and disqualify for our own safety. Right. You know? And something else I thought of, how many umpires think about where to park their car? We, before and yeah. how many like where should i park it close so i can get away fast should yeah. i park away should i park far away so no one really sees what kind of car i drive yes when you, what like you're thinking also like where are the exits where's the closest exit where's mike where like i'm i can guarantee you and i'm not an umpire but i can guarantee you that most of them if not all at this point in time have at least once thought about those things when yes. stepping onto a in stepping onto a park am i right yes yes and there are plenty of times when i have had to say no i will not work this game because the cost benefit ratio does not add up to me saying it's worth two hours of my time to and 50 bucks to to try and go through this i'm sorry right you know um you know i within the last within the last month i have had to say to to other people especially coaches and, and, I, and i've said i've been doing this for 15 years and these are the types of games where I no longer want to officiate. I want to give it up. And, you know, as, as the president of my local organization, we have to constantly deal with this. We can't, we, we can't get officials. We can't, you know, we cannot grow because people with, you know, with brains say, why am I going to go through this and deal with this kind of stuff? Right. You know, half of half of my therapy is saying, Jack, you're a good official. Baseball needs you. Because if without you, there is no baseball. 
Right. You know, how, how messed up is that? How messed yeah. up is it that I have to actually think like, I, I have to be the superhero here. I have to be the savior and go out there and get abused so that these kids can actually play. And unfortunately, at 50 bucks a game, there's not really uh, enough wiggle room to be no. a fucking hero. No. Quoting <laughs> quoting Jim Jeffries. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I... I'm, so, I'm sorry, but like, I, I, it that kind of shit pisses me off. It's like you're paid... With the amount of, you should be getting hazard pay. Yeah, for for stuff like this, like if there's an incident within your league, you all need to get a bump in pay. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. No, you're right because the the pos- copycat situations happen all the time. Yeah. So if for everything that happens, and you know what, the coaches should be told this, then the and their and their athletic directors should be told this. Anyone, anyone assaults an umpire or verbally abuses an umpire, their pay goes up each yeah. time. See, and then that's more money and that's less money for, for the organization, for, for their organization. So think about what you're doing. You're, no, you're right. I mean, we only get paid $87 for a varsity game. And even that sometimes isn't enough. And that can sometimes go, what, three hours? Yeah, maybe a little less than three, I think. I think varsity games are only seven innings. You start them at four o'clock and you know you got to be done by the sun, the time the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, you know, because then, then you start dealing with budgets, which, as you just said, I, I totally understand it. But now I've got athletic directors and other people saying, well, you know what? If we have to increase your pay, in order to protect you, we'll go to another umpire organization and contract other umpires who are willing to do this for less. That's a real problem too. Yeah. You know, we, the, and, and that's, I mean, I have to, I have to make decisions as to which for which assigners I work right? based upon what I know about the assigner and his or her policies. Is there a clause, like a non-compete clause in these contracts where, I mean, it doesn't sound like there is, but like when when certain ADs try to find other associations like that are out of your jurisdiction, does, I mean, does anything like that happen? In, in scholastic sports for in New Jersey, they are developing protocols as we speak so that when a school makes a determination to go with a different organization for umpires, Mm -hmm. they need to report that to the state first. That is not official yet. Mm. That was actually brought up recently at a meeting that I attended where we, you know, they said, okay, what we will do is we will develop, we will begin to develop a protocol so that if a school is going to change officiating associations. They need to report that to the, the state first. And then the state will, will step in if needed. 
you know, now, for example, because there are going to be times when they have to make those changes, like, okay, an officiating organization folds or merges with another group. And then they just want to say, listen, they, the, the, the people we were using can't cover the school anymore because they just, they don't exist anymore. So we got to change. And then the state will look at it and go, okay, makes sense. You know, but in terms of, um, you know, officials, you know, getting, you know, schools now banning officials because they're, they're, they think they're no good. That's where they're saying, uh-uh, because now you're, you're screwing yourself. And in terms of recreational baseball and non-scholastic baseball, the problem is that it, people get very territorial over this. Mm-hmm. And that's a major problem, in my opinion. Um, people, I, I, I hate to paint such a broad brush, but I'm going to for the sake of making this point. Paint such a broad stroke? Yes, that's what I meant. I clearly have been drinking in between games here, and I'm about to go assault a 72-year-old. You found me out. Um, we, when, when people get into sports officiating, and I can say this because I am a sports official, I know a lot of sports officials, I've engaged sports officials as they are my colleagues. When you are a sports official beneath the professional level so college on down you begin to see a change in the ego that can dictate the behavior of sports officials and what i mean by that is not all of sports officials do this but there there is a faction of officials who do this they put such stock into their accomplishments as a sports official that that's what gives them value. They say, in, 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 other, in other words, I'm not worthy of being a, a good person or considered a good person until everybody respects the fact that on my wall lists all of the major games that I've officiated, this state championship, this county championship, this state final, this county semifinal, and so on and so forth down the list. And then they walk around, you know, pumping, you know, hitting their chest hard and, you know, whatnot, saying, you know what, you need to respect me because of what I've done. It's very similar to how a lot of college professors act. And again, as someone who has been a college professor, I feel I can speak to this. There are a lot of professors who can't make it in their profession, so they become teachers because they couldn't do that, and they are demanding the respect of others by saying, look at all the degrees I have on my wall, rather than just being, just existing. Mm -hmm. You know, It's the same kind of thing. I couldn't make it as a professional baseball player or a professional baseball umpire. So since I'm the greatest high school umpire that I know, everyone needs to respect me. That's, that's a real thing, and it's very, very real beneath professional levels. And I think you start to see it more and more once you get below college and into high school and into some of these recreational leagues and into little leagues, et cetera. Right. You know, um, especially when you're not getting paid what you should be getting paid for this. You know, it wasn't that long ago. Within, it was within the last 15 years, if I went to work a Little League game, I would get paid 
that's horrendous, especially when I can work a JV game and make 60 bucks, Hmm. you know? So, so many, there are a lot of my colleagues who are just not the brightest bulbs. They're not the sharpest tools in the shed, right? you know? And it seems like it's, this is going to a place where, and this is a very grotesque and crude way of putting it. The dumber an umpire is, the greater chance we have of recruiting them and being able to put up with this bullshit because the smart ones don't want to deal with it. You know? Yeah. Which makes me question myself sometimes because I'm like, why am I putting up with this? And I have to come outside of myself and rise above it to say, I'm willing to put up with a small amount of it. But by the time, you know, if I start my season in mid-March, by the time I reach the end of June and in and July 4th, I'm done. I'm sick of it. I'm over it. I have done too much. I can't, you know, a lot of people say, why don't you keep umpiring into the summer? Because I'll kill myself if this keeps going. Right. That's how bad this gets. You know? Yeah. You can't, you can't keep treating officials this way and then say, you should be able to take some criticism. No, 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 no. If you want to disagree, that's one thing. But don't, don't act like a friggin' moron and a fool like this stuff, like a clown, and expect me not to get upset. Right. Because then fight, flight, freeze comes into play, and it gets worse. And I was just telling this, I, I worked a game last Wednesday. This was a 10-year-old championship game. And one of the coaches was a complete clown. And I was very close to ejecting him. Um, and I didn't because he then kind of turned on my partner, who was the plate umpire, and he seemed to have a pretty good handle on the situation. And I was going to, I like kept my eyes and ears open to make sure I, if I had to get involved, I would. But I said to my partner after the game, and for the record, this clown coach knew going into this championship game that both his team and his opponent's team were both moving on to the next tournament. This was a district championship. Both teams were going to the state uh, state tournament because they take the champion and the runner-up. Right. Okay? And his team ended up winning. And he couldn't just be happy. Right. Like, okay? Like, you're already going to the state tournament. If you are, if you truly care only about winning, like you don't care about the district trophy, you want the state trophy, then you want the, then you want the mm-hmm. regional trophy, etc. Mm-hmm. District trophy doesn't mean anything, you know. So, I said to my partner after that, I said, "Here's the real problem: coaches, players, fans don't understand. The more you berate an official." the more they start thinking. That's when they start missing more calls. That's when they start questioning themselves. Mm -hmm. If your ultimate goal is to tell an official he's got to get calls right, don't treat an official this way. Get, you know, you you could, sometimes we disagree in the heat of the moment. Okay, I get it. The more you keep doing this though and not diffusing the situation, the more calls he's going to, he or she's going to miss. You're screwing yourself. Right. Okay. I can't state that enough. You are screwing yourself when this happens. Um, 
And that's, you know, I, I, that's the big message that I try and preach everywhere when it comes to this. When you, when you berate officials, you are not, what are you getting? You're not, you're not gaining anything. Right. They're not, not going to suddenly win. Yeah. They're not going to win by calls for you. You know, right. They're not going to suddenly turn around and go, you're right. I suck. I'll change now. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way in any disagreement in life. You can have an right. argument about religion or politics. At no point during said argument is one of the, the participants going to be like, you know what? You're completely right and I'm wrong. I'll change now. No, it doesn't work. That's not right. how it works. Yeah. We butt heads. Right. Human beings are very stubborn. They don't, it's very, it takes a lot for, for them to become vulnerable. Right. So have we, have we gone through this enough? I think so. Okay. The moral of the story here. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't assault umpires, whether they're 72 years old or 27 years old or 14 years old. Doesn't matter. Don't assault, don't assault people. Right. Okay. (laughs) Don't drink at children's baseball games. Okay. Whether you're a coach, whether you're an umpire, whether you're a, a, a parent, whether you're no, whether you're a child. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that child, you might have to drink considering some of this stuff. Don't I mean I, I don't know. It just it don't don't consume alcohol unless you are at a professional sporting event where they are serving it properly. Right. Okay. Yep. Um and then and and worst of all, don't say, well, he deserved it. Okay. That never helps. No. Wait till the shoe is on the other foot. Yep. Wait till someone says you deserve it. Yep. You know, you know, and what's, I'll, I'll, I'll add this to it would be, I think it would be one thing. Let's just say the there's a kid or two or even a bunch of kids on that team who were saying, well, the umpire deserved it. And then the parents turned around and said, no, you don't say that, et cetera. Kids are kids. They make mistakes. You and I were both children once. We kind of still are. Mm-hmm. Okay. We made mistakes. I can remember distinctly thinking something like that. And my dad said, don't ever, don't ever say that. Don't ever think that because wait till it's on the other shoe. And you know what? When I was 14, 15, and I thought that now I look back on that guy, I learned something. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's if the kids are doing it, it's one thing. That doesn't make it right, it's, but it's a different thing. The parents were doing it. Yep. That's bad. Yep. That is bad. Yep. Um, to kind of put a bow on it, um, you know, this umpire, this 72-year-old umpire has stated that he wishes to remain anonymous. Um, I don't know if he'll ever hear this episode, but I hope he knows that we as an organization are here for him if he needs us, uh, we have multiple ways that we can help and we are ready and willing if, you know, if that's what you want. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll go from or, there. Or anyone who has suffered. Yes. Abuse at the hands of bad sportsmanship, right? So yes. That's what, that's our mission yeah. statement. Yep. You know, our mission statement is to say, if you, if, if this has happened to you, we're here. Right. You need financial aid. You just need someone to talk to. To which to talk. Mm-hmm. You know. 
That's why we're here. I mean, so. I'm thankful that for that time we reached out to Christy. Yeah. You know, and she appeared on the podcast and and it was sort of I almost therapeutic in a way. Yes, it was. I think I mean and and she she was excellent, very articulate. Um and uh hope she's doing well. Christy, yeah. if you hear this, I hope you're doing well. Uh, and I hope you're not using A1. Right. You know. <laughs> But I think this is that's a good this is a good place to end it. I agree. Uh, in terms of, you know, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Um Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, as it always is. So, Sean, yeah. thank you as always. Of course. Um as a reminder everybody, uh check us out at osafoundation.org, contact the show with the address podcast at osafoundation.org, facebook.com/osafoundation, twitter and instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. Select episodes available on YouTube. Uh, our apparel store is on Bonfire. Our book is available on Amazon. We'll talk to everybody in just a few short weeks. And until then, don't assault officials and treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org.